Luke 17, 26. This is when the Pharisees came to Jesus and were asking him about when the kingdom of God would come. Jesus replies this way. He says, and as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. Do you remember what happened to Lot's wife? If not, we'll look at that in a minute. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. 33 in the New Living Translation says, If you cling to your life, you will lose it, and if you let your life go, you will save it. Now, if, you, if you're in Genesis 19, uh, because Sodom and Gomorrah was a, a, a wicked city with rampant sin running wild in it, the Lord decided to destroy it. But because for the sake of Abraham, Abraham interceded for his nephew Lot and his family, uh, God decided that he was going to rescue Lot, get Lot and his family out of the city before he destroyed uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. So we'll pick up the story in Genesis 19 and verse 12, an account of what Jesus was talking about in Luke. Genesis 19, 12 says, Meanwhile, the angels questioned Lot. Do you have any other relatives here in the city? They asked. Get them out of this place. Your sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone else. For we are about to destroy this city completely. The outcry against this place is so great, it has reached the Lord, and he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancé, Quick, get out of the city. The Lord is about to destroy it. But the young men thought he was only joking. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot, take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, the angels seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city. For the Lord was merciful. Verse 17, when they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. I'm just summarizing the next few verses. Um, Lot asks him, no, I don't want to run to the mountains. Let me go to this little village over there. Uh, the, um, and the angel grants it. Let's pick it up in verse 23. Lot reached the village just as the sun was rising over the horizon. Then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. He utterly destroyed them along with the other cities and villages of the plain, wiping out all the people and every bit of vegetation. Verse 26, but Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him and she turned into a pillar of salt. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have been so merciful to us as we uh, just read, Lord God. And, and, and we know, Lord God, that your mercies are brand new this morning. We thank you that your word is living, true, active, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. Speak fresh, Lord, revelation, fresh rhema to each and every one of us right where we're at, what we need to hear, and give us the grace to apply it to our lives. Lord, we pray that you bless Pastor Todd. If he's still preaching, Lord, that hope alive be with him and the people there, Lord God. Speak through him, and Lord God, that the, the, our brothers and sisters, Lord, that hope alive would be encouraged, equipped, and strengthened in their faith as well. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen amen 
Uh, Pastor Todd just wrapped up the series on turning points last week, so I just want to recap, recap a few things real quick because it, I, I, I believe this message as I was praying and asking the Lord just is a continuation of what Pastor Todd was talking about last week when he talked about getting and keeping your heart right. Some of the things he talked about that Jesus is in the life-changing business. Also that Jesus breaks old sinful habits and evil desires off of us and gives us new habits and new desires. He said to be, take careful attention to work out our salvation. He said our hearts can only have the ability to, to love one thing at a time. Wasn't that such a great revelation there? That our hearts only got the ability to love one thing at a time. You know, that's why, like he said, when someone falls into a, a, an adulterous affair, you know, they say they don't love their spouse anymore because you only have ability to love one person or one thing at a time. It's the ordinary things in life. I'm still quoting Pastor Todd. It's the ordinary things in life that can steal our affection away from the Lord. And also, he says, Satan uses the influences of this world to steal our hearts away from the Lord. So today, I want to continue in this vein, and I want to encourage you, don't look back. Don't look back. If you have been saved, if you've been born again, as Pastor Todd said, if your heart has, has been made new, and as he said about keeping our hearts right, you know, getting them right and keeping them right, I want to encourage you, don't look back. Just as the angels charged uh, Lot and his family not to look back, just as Jesus said, you know, don't turn back in that day when he was talking about the day that was coming, where the Lord would be coming back and judgment would be coming. He said, don't look back. There's a few things in this story here in Genesis 19, I think that we can learn from that I want to pull out of that to help apply to our life. There's four things I want to look at from this story. Number one, we must remember the Lord's mercy in saving us. Let me say that again. We must remember the Lord's mercy in saving us. How many of y'all are glad to be saved? Now, come on, church. I know this sounds trivial, but I think this is something that, that we take for granted a lot of times, especially those of us that have been saved longer. If we've been saved for a long time, I think we take for granted that we saved. Sometimes we might even get, you know, kind of harsh and hard towards people that are not saved and, and get aggravated with them and frustrated with them and forget that we were just like them before God saved us. Come on, I'm guilty of that. I've been there until the Lord reminded me, you were just like him and worse. Why are you being critical? Why are you getting frustrated? Why is your patience start with him? I believe we need to remember how the Lord was merciful to us and saving us. Look what it says. When Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hand in the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them safely out of the city. For the Lord was merciful. The Lord grabbed our hands and pulled us out. Of this sinful world. And not only put us out of the sinful world, but rescued us from the eternal damnation to come. Amen? Eternal life spent in glory with Jesus sounds a lot better than eternity in the lake of fire. Doesn't it to you? And we got to remember that's what he rescued us from. We shouldn't take that lightly. We shouldn't take, I know there's, there's people, there's even churches nowadays that talk about that there's not any hell. You know, Jesus talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. Did you know that? And he rescued us from that. I think that's why he did, because he wanted to show us the seriousness of an eternity separated from God. And that he paid the ultimate price as we just celebrated communion together. He paid the ultimate price to rescue us so we would have fellowship with him in this life and in the life to come. And we look at a picture of, you know, of what hell is, whether we've been saved for a long time, or maybe just got saved. We talked about, you know, the men's and women's encounter we just had, and, or maybe just recently you, you made a decision to give your life to the Lord. I just want to just remind you, we look at verse 24 with Sodom and Gomorrah as, as a picture. It says that the Lord rained down fire and, 
fire and burning sulfur from the sky onto Sodom and Gomorrah. And once again, we know the, the Bible talks about the lake of fire for those that have rebelled and refused to believe the message and receive the truth. This is what the Lord has rescued us from. Amen. We should have communion in our hearts every single day. Amen. Not just remember the cross, not remember what he done for us just here on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night, but every single day, saints. I know for me, this is convicting. I want to start off my day every day saying, Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for rescuing me from a devil's hell. Thank you for rescuing me from my jacked up life that I used to live. The junk that I was in before, the, the, the Sodom and Gomorrah, so to speak, that I was living in. All the trash, all the filth that I was doing and everything internally that was going on inside of me. I thank you, Lord, that you were merciful to me. And the Bible says that his mercies are brand new this morning, today. Amen? It wasn't just for back then, this morning, his mercies are brand new. So number one, remember the Lord's mercy and saving us. Number two, we must run from the old way of living. This, this, is, this goes back to what Pastor Tao was saying. We must run from the old way of living. Look at, at verse 17. It says, when they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, run for your lives. You know, we must run from sin like our life depends on it. You know why? Because it does. Because it does. And that goes back to what Pastor Tao was talking about. And I want to just encourage y'all. That message that he preached Sunday, it wasn't the same message. But earlier in that week, we had a staff chapel and Pastor Todd preached a message to the staff and challenged us as church staff that work here full time at the church. Some of us pastors, some of us, you know, worship leaders and whatnot. He challenged us in the same way about not being infected by the world, not, not, not compromising, not getting lulled to sleep by the world. So I know this is something that's been burning in his heart and as well as mine and just seeing uh, where, where we're at and where we need to go. I believe where the Lord wants to go. Amen. I believe as, as, as just we see things unfolding just around, you know, the body of Christ and, 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 and people that we know. Just I believe that the Lord is purifying the church. And I believe the Lord is calling the church to a higher place. If he's coming back for a pure and spotless lamb, a pure spotless bride, I believe he's got some cleaning up to do. Amen. Or we have some cleaning up to do. Right. But listen, I want to encourage you to run for your lives. As he said. Well, man, but, but that's, that's an Old Testament story there about Sodom and Gomorrah. Look what 2 Timothy 2.22. Once again, it's interesting. I didn't even think about it until I said it in the first service. That just as Pastor Todd was even in, in challenging a church staff, Paul was challenging a young Timothy, pa, uh, the young pastor, Timothy. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. He, he's basically saying run from anything. Not just sexual lust, but he said run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, Pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. I want to encourage y'all, church, to run from sin. Don't play with it. Run from sin. Do not play with it. He says it very clear. We see a good picture of that in Genesis as well with Joseph. When he got tempted with sin, he ran. He was gone. He didn't play around with it. He didn't dabble in it. He was gone. Makes me think again every time I, I, I think about this or, or, or talk about running from sin and, and not dabbling in sin at all. It reminds me of these people that, that uh, they, they tame like lions or, or tigers or, or some kind of other exotic animal, animal to maybe use them like in the circus or uh, just some other entertainment, you know. Or even like, you ever seen these cats that uh, open up like an alligator head and like put their head, their mouth and put their head in it as like a little trick? You ever, ever seen that? Y'all seen those guys? Well, I think about that, and every once in a while you see these guys, 
and, and, and say like a lion or a tiger, ends up like snapping, turns on these guys and ends up mauling them. I remember watching one guy after that happened. I was watching an interview with this guy and he was, he was kind of freaked out. Like, man, I don't understand what happened. This is, this was like my, we're like, this was like my friend. I mean, I've been working with him for years. We had trained him. I don't know what happened, why he did this. Dude, cause it's a tiger. That's why. It's not your pet. Okay, tigers and lions were not meant to make, to be your pet. I, I remember this, this guy too. I remember watching one of these shows like when animals attack or something. And, and this guy opened up the head of a, of a alligator and put his head in it to show that he can do that, you know, and, and the alligator didn't chomp down on him. Well, he was talking about how he had to wipe his sweat on both sides um, before he put his head in because the way an alligator's mouth works is when it opens up, any little something it feels on its tongue or something, it triggers it and it snaps his jaw shut where he wiped one side of his uh, face of sweat. He forgot to put the other side and he puts his head in. One drop of sweat fell on the alligator's tongue and it closed shut on his head. And I was just like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Part of me, I'm being honest, like, dude, that's what you get. Come on, man. Really? Like, you know, he didn't die or nothing. You know, it's just kind of, they, 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 they prod his jaws open and they pulled it out. But, you know, as much as we, we you know, that, that is, you know, crazy, you know, people do that with sin every day. Believers do that with sin every day. They pet sin, they play with sin and treat sin like a pet. And then they freak out and they're, they're, they're shocked when, whenever sin ends up attacking and starting to destroy their lives. You see, it's kind of like the man with the alligator head. They, they think, well, I, I can, I can do this because all I got to do is wipe the sweat, so to speak, like the guy with the alligator. But what happens is, just like that, that the man with the alligator, it takes one drop of sweat to trigger that thing. It takes one, one little, you know, wrong turn, one little, or just eventually sin is going to manifest itself for what it is. The Bible says that the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. There's nothing about playing around with it as a pet. And I want to encourage you, church, us to run from sin, not to dabble in sin. Pastor Todd was talking about that last week, to keep our hearts right. Let's not be like the people with the, with the wild animals. I mean, I'm telling you, I watch one of these shows and people have the craziest things as pets that, that end up turning on them, hurting them, and even killing them. Remember, though, as we're running from sin, we're, we're not to run aimlessly. If you notice in the story, when he says to run for your lives, he tells them to go to the mountains, which Lot eventually convinces him to go to this little village. But we must not run aimlessly. We must pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. We have a goal of what we're going. We're running from sin, but we're pursuing an upright living, a faithfulness, a faithfulness to the Lord, a faithfulness to our spouse if we're married. We're not dabbling with another person or uh, with, with something, any of that. A faithfulness, even if you're not married, a faithfulness to the Lord. You know, if you are married, it's more, it, the first thing you should be faithful is to the Lord. If you're faithful to the Lord, you'll be faithful to your spouse. All the way around, no matter what it is. But, but it can be some other, if you're single, there's so many, I mean, obviously, a broad range of what, what sin is, what, what worldliness is that can begin to affect us or even, you know, what represents sin, you know. So I just want to encourage you not to look. I mean, I want to encourage you to run. Run from sin. And then the third thing, as we remember what the Lord's done, as we run from sin, as we're running, not aimlessly, but straight on towards the Lord and the things of God. Number three, don't look back. As the name of our message, don't look back. Because you see, this this can be the problem with some of us in this room. It might not be that you're actually in sin or dabbling sin, but you're thinking about it. You're looking back 
to the, to the world. You're looking back to the old lifestyle that the Lord has so graciously and mercifully delivered us from. We're looking back there. We're still looking back and saying, oh, man, I remember when I used to do this. Man, that was fun. Man, I, I remember when I used to do that. Look, look what, they, what, what the angel told him in verse 17. Run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. You know, Jesus said early in Luke uh, 17, uh, he, he referenced this. I want to read it in a different way. Luke 9, 57 and, and 62. Listen to what Jesus said. Or listen to what it says. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back, is not fit for the kingdom of God. If you want to pursue Jesus, you can't look back at what you're leaving behind. You can't look back at what the Lord has delivered you out of or what he's calling you to live, to leave. You know, Brother Francis Borg came up to me at the end of the first service and he said, he gave me this card and it says, you can't plow a straight line if you're looking back. Amen? You can't plow a straight line if you're looking back. Your lines are going to be all over the place. And Jesus said, does that put their hand to the plow? You're not fit for the kingdom of God. That word not being not fit means you're out of place. You'll be out of place in the kingdom of God. And he says, you're, this is even talking about being a light, being a witness. And we're going to address this at the end of the message. You know, trying to be a witness, trying to be a light as Christians. If we're looking back, we're going to be all over the place. Just like trying to plow a straight road. We're going to be all over the place if we're not looking Straight on forward to him. I remember when I first came into ministry, I, I struggled with this. When things got hard and I felt like I was a failure and I was insecure and all this kind of stuff, I remember thinking, man, it would be so much easier for me to just go back and be a painter. It'd be so much easier. I, I, know, I know what I'm doing. I was, I was, uh, I was a painter for, for eight years. I was a foreman. And I was, you know, I knew I was, I was secure in what I was doing. But you know what? The Lord has called me to something greater. To destiny, nothing wrong with being a blue collar worker, any of that, but I know my destiny is being in ministry. Amen. Take a little break so I can tie my shoe here for a minute. Let that last point sink in. Yeah. All right. Don't look back, but I'm glad I looked down so I didn't trip over my shoelace. What does it mean to look back? It means to love this present world or to be preoccupied with the old life. See, you don't, you don't even have to be actually involved in it, but it's just being preoccupied with it. Me and my wife talk about all the time about how powerful just your thoughts are, about just being preoccupied. You don't have to be even acting on these things, but Jesus said, don't even look back. Don't even be preoccupied or have a fascination with the world or the things of the world or the things that God has pulled you out of. Pastor Todd said last week, Jesus breaks off old sinful habits. If he's delivered you from some sin in your life, why would you even look back at it? Not even wanting to do it, but just, just you know, even reference it like, oh, man, this was great. I used to love this. Look, here's a little news flash. If it was that great, we would still be in it. We wouldn't be in church today, right? We would still be there if it was, if it was all that. You know, all those things are passing pleasures that are just traps by the enemy that, yes, it might feel good and, yes, be fun in the moment. But ultimately, it ends in destruction. 
It's deception. He is a liar and the father of lies. A couple more things Pastor Todd said was that it's the ordinary things in life that can steal our affection away from the Lord. And that Satan uses the influences of this world to steal our hearts from the Lord. It might not be a, the actual, just an outright sin. It might be the lure of money or status or material things or, or, or a relationship that can steal our hearts away. It can be a hobby. He talked about that. It can be a hobby. It can be your work. It can be a, a, a bunch of things that can steal your heart away. You know, you look at these two guys in, in, in Luke that I just talked about, uh, in Luke 9 that we just read about, the two guys that, want, that agreed to follow Jesus. The first guy, he said, let me go and bury my father. You know, in Jewish culture, after burying your father, you would get the double inheritance. That was usually the job of the firstborn. They would go bury their dad, and then they would get the inheritance. So in essence, he was saying, yeah, let me go bury my dad first. Let me get my financial security, and then I'll follow you, Jesus. The second guy wanted to... To, to go home and tell his family goodbye. And, you know, probably because he wanted to go and have a going away party so he would get some gifts and maybe some finances to be secure. Let me tell you, Jesus is not a bailout plan. Let me say that again. Jesus is not a bailout plan. It's not, it's not that, oh, we want to be, you know, secure. And I'm going to walk with Jesus and do this. And it might not just be in finances, but it might be Jesus following the Lord, walking with the Lord. It's not something that we do to just try out. Because you see, ultimately, if we're looking back, that means somewhere deep down inside we're saying, this, this Christianity thing, this Jesus thing is not working out quite like I like it to be. I wonder if I could go back. I wonder if back there, what I used to do. I mean, I know I, I came to Jesus because of the old life, but this is not quite working like I wanted it. So I wonder if, if maybe I go back there, things would be better and different this time. The Lord says, don't look back. If you put your hand to the plow, if you have surrendered and committed to the Lord, don't look back. In Philippians 3.13, this is one of my favorite scriptures. It says in the, in the Living Bible, Paul says this, I am still not all that I should be, but I am focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. We must forget the past, church. We, we need to have amnesia of the past. We need to forget it and, and, and focus all of our energy, our thoughts, our hearts, intentions on what lies ahead. What the Lord has ahead, like me, going back to wanting to paint. Nothing wrong with being a painter. If God hadn't called me, I'd still probably be, be working in construction. I enjoyed it. I like doing it. But I know what, what my destiny is. I know what God's called me to do, so I'm, I'm pushing forward. I'm pushing forward. And it's funny how even that, those kind of things, right, whenever... Uh, the Lord was calling me and I was getting offered a position here at the church. Right before that, my boss was offering me more of the business and to go and maybe partnership with him to start making more money and, and then eventually to buy him out. And it's like the lore of that, like, I could maybe be a business owner one day. You know, that, that, that was the lore of that. But you know what? That, that making money and being a business owner can't compare to walking in my destiny. And when I decided to put my hand to the plow, I confess that I did look back. But now I'm full on. I, there's, there's nothing back there for me. So the third thing is don't look back. Don't look back. And the fourth and final thing is don't stop anywhere in the valley. Don't stop anywhere in the valley. He says, and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. You know, Valleys in our lives represents hard times. It represents loneliness. It represents hurt. 
maybe betrayal, maybe persecution, trials, hardships, testing. We all have valleys in our lives, right? We all have valleys. And, and sometimes it's in our lowest points that cause us to want to look back. Like I said, when I was just saying that this, you get to a point where you're like, man, this is not all what it cracked up to be. Or maybe when you get into one of those valleys and you're hurt, someone close to you maybe has hurt you or, or you know, whatever, the church maybe has hurt, somebody offended you. You know, maybe you were standing on a promise and you feel like God hasn't come through and you're in a valley. Those are the times where you might want to look back. I want to encourage you, don't stop in the valley. Don't stop there. Keep on pursuing. Listen. This is this scripture is what we need to understand in Psalm 23, 4. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley. I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. The key word in that scripture, saints, is through. We walk through it. We don't stay in the David understood. I'm in a low point in my life right now, but I'm walking through this valley. I'm going through it. I'm not popping a tent here. I'm not stopping here. I'm moving forward. I'm looking forward. Yes, valleys will come. Low points will come, but I'm moving forward. I'm not going to stop in the valley and camp out and in and, 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 and Cajun culture and have a, a, a just boo day right here. Just have a big old boo day party. No. Don't stop in the valley. We all go through hard times. We all have uh, we all have times where we get hurt. But I want to encourage you to keep going. Don't look back. And remember, the key of that is that we walk through the valley. And the second part of that is that he is close beside you. If he grabbed your hand and rescued you out of, of, of that life, of that sin, he's close beside you. In the darkest valley, David realized, I don't have to be afraid. And he had a whole army chasing him, trying to kill him when he wrote this. I don't know about y'all. I don't have nobody out trying to kill me, like in the physical. You know, but he, he said this. He said, I don't have to fear. I'm going to get through this because I know the Lord is walking right there beside me. I want to encourage you, whatever the case may be, don't stop in the valley. Don't look back. Amen. As we close it up today. I want to go back to one of the first things we read in Luke 17 when Jesus said, remember what happened to Lot's wife. Let's, let's read again what happened to in verse 26. It says, but Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him and she turned into a pillar of salt. Why did Lot's wife turn into a pillar of salt? Well, some believe, some scholars and historians believe that the main income of Sodom and Gomorrah at the time was salt. And so if you lived in these cities... Probably the way that you made your living was probably had something to do with salt. You worked with salt or you, you know, you sold it and bought it or whatever. And so as, 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 as Lot's wife turned around and looked, she was looking back at what she was leaving. She was looking back. She, she missed what, 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 what she had back then. She loved, maybe it's because she loved the lifestyle that she was living. So she looked back. And it's, it's, in a sense, it's powerful when you combine that scripture with what Jesus tells us in Matthew. In Matthew 5, 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it loses its flavor? Can you make it useful again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Jesus calls us salt. And the distinct trait of salt is its taste. And that it preserves things, obviously. But in order for Lot's wife to turn into a pillar... It had to be crystallized. Salt loses its taste in this form. If we look back at the old life, the same thing happens to us and we become ineffective as our witnesses for the Lord. 
That's what happened. She turned into a pillar of salt. No more. If you combine that, you look at that. He considers us salt. We be, we, we basically, in essence, we have Christian, crystallized Christianity. We have a form of what Jesus said we were supposed to be. We might be walking out, coming to church, doing things, even, you know, going to Bible studies, doing all that. From the outside, it looks like salt. But on the inside, if we're looking back, if we're preoccupied with the world and the things of the world, then guess what? We're, we're rendered ineffective because we're just a block of crystallized salt. And we can't be effective in, in penetrating our culture. I know this is not a feel-good message, but I believe it's a message that we all need to be challenged with. Amen? It's not always the gross and terrible sins that keep us from penetrating our culture. It's being preoccupied with the old life. Things that should be behind you are not because your mind is still there. Even though you're not in it, if your mind's in it, it's just like you're still there. Amen? That's why Jesus said, he didn't say, if you put your hand to the plow and you go back, you're not fitting. He just said, if you look back. Isn't that what Jesus said? It's a mindset. It's a, a wishing and wanting to be. Oh, the good old days. You ever said that? Oh, the good old days. And some of that might, you know, it actually says in Proverbs, don't long for the good old days. This is not good. That's part of the reason why. One of the greatest enemies of the kingdom is looking back, wishing we were somewhere else or doing someone, doing something else. The best way to keep from looking back is to keep our eyes on the Lord. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on who? Jesus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. I love how the New Living Translation says, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. If we keep our eyes focused on the Lord, the race that we are running, we, we stay locked him to him, we're not going to be looking behind us. We're not because everything we desire, everything we want, everything we need, everything that 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 the, the person, the very one who rescued us from that old life, is is right there in front of us, and we continue to look straight on forward to Him. So we don't get we don't get enticed by the things of the world. We don't get enticed to go back. We stay focused on Him. We keep looking to Jesus. Amen. How about you go ahead and stand up with me? I want to encourage you today. Remember how merciful the Lord has been to you. Run from your old, the old lifestyle. Run from old sin. Don't, don't dabble in it. Don't, don't, don't treat it like a pet. Don't look back. And don't stop anywhere in the valley. I understand times get tough. We all go through those hard times. But don't stop there. Don't stop. Don't camp out in the valley. Go through the valley. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Now, the second part of that scripture, it says, For the joy that lay before him, he endured a cross and despised the shame, and he sat down at God's, the right hand of God's throne. Maybe you in here today, and as I've been talking to the body of believers that we've been rescued out of our old lifestyle. We've been rescued and saved 
from, from the judgment to come. You might be in here today and you say, you know what, Brandon, I don't know if I've ever actually come out of that, 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 that Sodom and Gomorrah, so to speak, that, that, that lifestyle. I feel like I'm still caught up in that lifestyle right now. I haven't fully surrendered and, and gave my heart to Jesus. I've never made that decision. Would y'all all bow with me so we can pray every head bowed, every eye closed, so we can pray. And I, as I was describing some of the things of, of, of what the, the Bible calls the world and sin and the destruction that it's caused, you know in here as I was speaking, I don't have to go through a long list of what sin is. I, I know the Holy Spirit has been convicting some in here today. And if you have, have never made a decision to give your life to Christ, if you've never been delivered, if you say, Brandon, I want to be rescued from my sinful ways. I want to be rescued from the judgment to come. I want to make sure that I'll be with the Lord in eternity. And I'm not sure. I want to get right with God. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Slip your hand up if that's you today. Thank you, Lord. I see your hand back here, ma'am. Anybody else? Anyone else? Says, I want to get right with the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I see your hand back here too, ma'am. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Yes, see your hand, young man. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's pray together. Those of y'all that, 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 that lifted your hand to the Lord, come on, if you sincerely trust the Lord, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you believe that Jesus died for your sins, that he went to the cross, as it says in Hebrews, he endured that cross. You were the joy that was set before him. He said, for the joy that was set before him, it was you. It was you. If you believe that, come on, pray this prayer with me. Let's pray together, saints. Lord Jesus, I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I thank you, Lord, for dying for me. I pray that you would rescue me, Lord. Grab me by the hand. And pull me out today. I want to live for you. I want to serve you. I want to spend eternity with you. Jesus, I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. If you had your hand raised and if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we're about to dismiss. I want you to come up and and, and I'll be right down here. I'd like to meet you. I'd like to pray with you. I want to encourage the rest of y'all as you as y'all go. As I hit on the on, on, on being walking through the valley, you know, maybe maybe you've been in a valley lately. Maybe you've been in a, in, a, in a low point in your life. You've been struggling. You've been hurting. Someone maybe has hurt you, or you've just been hurting from one one way or another. You just feel like you're in a low point. As we dismiss, I want you to come up, and I, we want to pray for you. We're gonna have pastors and altar workers up here, and we want to pray for you. Or if you need prayer for anything else, if you feel like, man, I've been looking back and I want to get back focused, you want somebody to stand in agreement with you to pray for you. We want to be here to pray for you too. Amen. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us. Give us the grace, Lord. Give us the strength that we need, Lord God, to keep our eyes focused on you, Lord Jesus, the source, the champion, the initiator, perfecter of our faith. Help us to always look on forward to you and not look back, to not stop, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to continue to press forward. Help us, Lord God, to be done with sin, to repent of sin, and to run from it and to run to you, Lord God, to pursue righteous living and peaceful, faithful love in the companionship of those that call upon you with a pure heart. I pray 
pray that you will Lord impart and empower every single person here today as they leave. I pray your blessing to be upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.